0: and welcome to the codex cantina where i am una
1: and i am ready to be punished crypto
0: and today we are doing our spoiler filled chat if you are looking for the non-spoiler or the before you read head over to our before you read crime and punishment video that's going to give you a little bit of a primer of things that we think you need to know to enrich your experience today we're going into the deets
1: And if you're down for literary discussions and other Russian stories, please hit that subscribe button for us.
0: So let's jump straight into the discussion because this book is just, it's something else. It is filled with these lucid, intellectual, creative, fleshed out characters that you don't see in a lot of books.
1: I think that there's a reason why this is always on everybody's to read list is because it is... One of the best iterations of the human condition. And I know
0: everybody wants to talk about Rodia, but I do too. So let's, (laughs) I feel like any read through (laughs) you do, you can focus in on any of these characters, like Svidrigailov, Dunya. what kind of makes them tick. This is our first spoiler chat. We got to hit Raskolnikov, okay? So he's disturbed. We don't ever actually get into his mind, which is what I think it's so interesting. We have this narrator that isn't giving us all the details over what Raskolnikov is talking about, right? Or thinking about, right? We get the, I think about a thing like that. He pulls the meatloaf on us, right? I would do anything, but I would do that to Lizaveta, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's so unique about this story is that right when you think you're about to figure something out, or right when you know, it's like the rug is pulled from anything. You're like,
0: wait, wait no, 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 give me more. I want that. And we all have those friends or those moments where people are just so mad like oh i could kill them and it's like whoa dude like like i feel like we are on the cusp of that experience with this novel where you're like okay did Rascal was was, he is he insane we all know probably someone who's a murderer but we don't know that they're a murderer like statistically we have probably met someone who's killed someone else and we don't know it
1: i'm sure that there's one of my friends out there that is is dexter right (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know it could be you (laughs) so
0: rhodia much like these insane people or addicts is constantly drawn to things i I would argue fatalistically he is pulled in different directions so we made a strong argument in our before you read that there's constantly at least two options pitted against Rodia at any given time, and you're kind of choosing as the viewer which one's the correct selection, or at least moralistically along more a correct direction, I guess, for Rodia. Is that a fair way to say it?
1: Yeah, well, I think what it's doing is that there are these two paths, and you kind of get to do a choose-your-own-adventure here, and you'll do it subconsciously as you go forward.
0: What Dostoevsky does here, and I give credit to him specifically, is he adds these, like, emotional layers onto his writing, right? So I don't know how he wrote this. Well, I mean, I know he wrote it in parts, but in terms of how he crafted these scenes, right? So do I want Rodia to be thinking more towards, you know, utilitarianism here, or is he leaning more towards nihilism? He has these things that are pitted against him, but then how does he make you, the reader, feel about these things right because we're not in his head directly we have a narrator that's playing an intermediary right and there's a lot of different techniques in terms of making characters be the hero versus making characters do dastardly things there's a lot of different ways to make an audience member feel certain things one of the things i want to point out a very subtle technique that he does here is what i'm going to call emotional texture colorization okay
1: Oh yeah, I'm following along with you because we only really kind of get that internal monologue through actual dialogue when he's having these conversations. And it's very, very interesting and eye-opening, the emotions that he conveys and the emotions that he's trying to hide from all the other characters in the story.
0: So much like a filmmaker, he's going to choose certain colors to make you feel things in a scene blue in terms of clarity or maybe even just from serenity you've got yellow in terms of warmness lightness green makes you feel maybe a little bit sick uneasy Dostoevsky does the same thing in his writing interestingly enough now the first usage of the color yellow crypto did you notice when he put that in there
1: i think it's right at the beginning of the story like right in chapter one right
0: yep when he's meeting aljona ivanova right away we're going to be introduced to yellow with the quote a mangy fur cape yellow with age okay so he's painting yellow with a mangy aged item right on alyona who's going to be the most important character probably to drive raskolnikov's insanity and and what enacts these visions of i can't do that his meatloaf moment is suddenly enacted through alyona right
1: Oh, I see what you did there. Axed. (laughs)
0: Uh. So so in her room, we've got yellow paper on the walls.
1: Yellow wallpaper.
0: The furniture, all very old and yellow wood, and half pony prints in yellow frames. He's putting yellow all over this this room where he is constructing this murder scene to happen.
1: Well, we've seen this with other authors as well, right? We've seen it with Joyce, we've seen it with O'Connor, where they're using yellow kind of kind of represent this sickly feeling.
0: Right. And what I like about the way that Dostoevsky does it, how many characters, how many sisters live in this apartment? Two. Okay, so we're putting this emotional fabric of yellow unease over the number two of which Raskolnikov is drawn to. so the point that I'm kind of going towards here, right? Let's fast forward to Marmeladov in the meeting with him. His face, bloated with continual drinking, was of a yellow, even greenish tinge. Green, right? With unease. With swollen eyelids, out of which keen reddish eyes gleamed. And then when he's killed, on the left side, just over the heart, was a huge, sinister-looking, yellowish-black bruise a cruel kick from the horse's hoof so if you remember Oof. marmaladev also when he met him he was in the bar a place that raskolnikov never goes why would he come into this bar and again i postulate to you you'll notice when marmaladev was talking he constantly repeated himself he said everything twice twice Dostoevsky yeah. again putting this yellowish bruise the yellowish face, greenish face, putting over the character as he is drawn to it in the same way that addicts are drawn to things that they're obsessed with, right?
1: So Raskolnikov is obsessed with pears.
0: So, okay, so let's fast forward to the actual murder. How many painters were outside the building at that point in time? Two. And guess what they were doing? They were papering the walls with a new white paper covered with lilac flowers instead of the old dirty yellow one (laughs) nice so i'm going to also point out we're moving into this too. notice the usage of he's covering up yellow with what white in flowers white white representing purity original you know states and lilacs being a flower representing freshness representing sometimes virginity they can represent new beginnings too
1: yeah so kind of that purity idea
0: Yep. Part two, chapter six. Lady committing suicide in the canal. He looked and saw a tall woman with a kerchief on her head with a long, yellow, wasted face and red. Oh, there's that red again. Sunken eyes. Was there anyone else who thought to commit suicide in this novel, Crypto?
1: Hmm, yes, there is.
0: Svidrigailov. So again, a pairing of two on this these polarizing events. One that was saved, Svidrigailov that was not saved. Again, Dostoevsky painting these, these emotional textures. So let's move now into the usage of white in this novel, okay? Now the first usage, he used to go to mass two or three times a year with his father and mother when a service was held in memory of his grandmother. On these occasions, they used to take on a white dish Tied up a table napkin, a special sort of rice pudding. Rice pudding being kind of like a certain color of of white and yellow, too, right?
1: Oh yeah, that stuff's nasty.
0: Now there is <laughs> plenty of people out there that will write and compare, you know, Raskolnikov's journey to Elijah from the Bible and stuff like that, and and I'm totally cool with that, totally okay with that. But let's stick with this this emotional color texture.
1: No, I I love this series. I think it's much better. So
0: Lizaveta, the one innocent sister, the one that didn't do the wrong stuff (laughs) get this yeah arguably the good one when she was being killed we have the quote she was gazing in stupefaction at her murdered sister white as a sheet now again there's a lots of usages of colors throughout this novel not every single one is like oh like this is what this represents but white is a symbol that is being put onto the clean virtuous sister who is innocent in this case.
1: Oh yeah. That's a perfect argument.
0: Well, and then Nastasia even asked about Lizaveta who sold the old clothes. Didn't you know her? And Raskolnikov turned to the wall where in the dirty yellow paper, he picked out one clumsy white flower with brown lines on it and began examining how many petals there were on it. This is not a mistake. Once again, bringing up the usage of flowers and white to represent the innocence of this character in this story.
1: I love this. When you point it out, it just like slaps you across the face that it's so obvious, but it's so subtle throughout the whole novel that it just gives you so much insight to Raskolnikov and the other characters that you don't realize it.
0: And that's part of Svidrigailov was a terrible, horrible human being. He's he's painted as the moralist universally moralistic bad choices right and it's in his his dream sequence i think these dream sequences are really interesting throughout this whole novel but on his if you still didn't believe me with these emotional colors of flowers and white representing you know innocence okay Let's go to his dream at the very end before he (laughs) takes his own life and commits suicide. You ready for this one? I'm ready. On a table covered with a white satin shroud stood a coffin. The coffin was covered with white silk and edged with a thick white frill. Wreaths of flowers surrounded it on all sides. Among the flowers lay a girl in white muslin dress. There was a wealth of roses on her head four usages of white, three usages of flour, in this moment of uh this, I mean, I would argue this is a moment of epiphany for Svidriga to say, I'm doing bad to this world, I'm doing harm, my life is better off, in his his view, of taking it and just giving money to other people to move on I think we as a reader have to interpret the symbols that, that Dostoevsky is layering into this dream on us. Yeah, which is
1: crazy to think that he's choosing death over life. And what does that mean for him that he would see it that way?
0: Well, there's so many moments in this novel, which is what's, what's the utilitarian move? What's better for everyone? And, and I would argue Svidrigailov, one of the ways to interpret this is he realizes he is causing more harm then help in his dream he saw the young girl took her home and it was a french prostitute right he sees the perversion he's causing to this world his community and he realizes he should give money away and end his perversion of this world he should stop turning the white yellow if you will start perverting the flowers and take his own life is I believe how he looked at that moment.
1: Where here in the Western world, we tend to be very individualized and we would never think of that possibly of doing an act of that to hopefully help other people. We would do it to end our own pain and suffering.
0: And I think this is even then thusly pitted against the heavy Christian values and ideas put into this novel as well. So Svidrigailov took the suicide route to end his his wrongdoings in the world it was his way of writing his wrongs right and then you have raskolnikov who chooses to spend his time in what was it siberian gulag or am i thinking of dostoevsky's actual life <laughs> he went to jail <laughs> both
1: right he went no he to, doesn't go to the gulags he went he, to the uh, white collar prison
0: <laughs> he went to jail to serve sentence to spend purgatory of life life is suffering the more of the Christian representation as opposed to Svidrigailov with the suicide approach. Again, by, you know, two opposite things being pitted against each other by Dostoevsky.
1: And I think it's all wrapped up beautifully in those two colors. I, I love your, your view on this.
0: Well, and you can interpret these a lot of different ways, which is why this novel is so widely celebrated, but it all comes down to how does a monster face the decisions that they've made?
1: And then to bring kind of back in your moral standpoint, we have another quote here that he's trying to manipulate of which choice do I make of these two roads that you're following of the kind of the two main characters, right? The protagonist and the antagonist. We have, quote, when reason fails, the devil helps. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? I'm, I'm supposed to pick the bad way, but I don't understand that. And that's kind of maybe, again, that different view of culture of more looking out for the masses instead of oneself.
0: You know, I don't even know at what point that was in the book, but I almost even wonder, is that also arguing that it's easier to hear the devil, it's easier to see the bad choices than it is the good choices?
1: Oh, for sure. And in, in all of life, we have so many pressures from society to make these certain choices of what we're going to do. And I think that we put on these different masks. And I know that in 2020, a lot of people can understand (laughs) that, (laughs) that we we have these different faces or masks that we wear for society. We have ones that we wear for our jobs. We have ones that we wear for our loved ones. And then we have that very special one that we only wear for ourselves.
0: Yeah, I have... I feel like even I'm at ends with my own mask, but then there's that voice in the back of the head that says, just take the devil route. It's a lot easier that way, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of times when that happens, there are these pressures of what you're expected to do. The, you know, your wife has expectations of you. Your son has expectations of you. The American culture has expectations of you. And then you have religious viewpoints or the morality of when you're brought up as a child and Raskonikov has all of that as well. He's just such a richly written character, and you see the morality of the choices he has to make of murder kind of versus money here.
0: Yeah, I feel like as we get older, we have thousands of obligations and... The mask that I wear may differ based on what I need to do at that time. There's a lot of different ways to interpret my own behavior even.
1: Agreed. Many interpretations here. And one of the ones that I found while researching this was from 1971, but written by Simon Karlinsky, and he called this that... Um, Crime and punishment was like Dostoevsky as a Rorschach test. And it really did say as much about you of how you read this novel uh, about as about the novel and Roskonikov and Dostoevsky himself. So
0: if you're confused, it could be that maybe you're having a hard time making up your mind behind these choices, right?
1: And I think that Dostoevsky's doing that on purpose, right? You don't know. If Raskolnikov is a hero or an anti-hero, as, as ki- I kind of viewed it, you don't you follow his journey through this. Of he's this poor student, and then he's a murderer, and then he's kind of regretful, but. He doesn't feel bad about doing it until the very end, and then he goes through this adventure, and then once he's in jail, he finally kind of feels remorseful, right?
0: I think that's something that frustrates a lot of people is the road to remorse takes a long—it's realistic. It takes a long time sometimes to feel remorse for the actions that you did. It takes character development sometimes to get to see that you were the antihero.
1: And I think that a lot of times when we read stories, we want the quote good guy to make the right choices and do the right things. We want Raskolnikov to be this certain person to uh, to to admit what he has done. Uh, and I think that represents a lot about us as well. And I have another quote from the story. It says, you see, I kept asking myself then, why am I so stupid that if others are stupid and I know they are, yet I won't be wiser. He himself is confused and doesn't understand.
0: It's kind of to your point earlier well, I may choose what masks I wear. Sometimes I want to force certain masks onto other people too. I want this person to behave this certain way at this point in time. Like, kind of like when I raise my son. This is how you act in this situation. If you don't like it, you're grounded. Like, that's not really good parenting, but that's what we do sometimes to get through a, a moment.
1: And I think that comes down to cultural norms and this idea of the human condition. And we have a, st- a quote from the story that says, I did not bow down to you. I bow down to all the suffering of humanity, that we all fall into these tropes because it's the way that it's always been done. And a lot of times people just like, well, that's the way it is. So that's the way we're going to keep doing it. And that's really think something that he's trying to put a point home is that you can break out of that just like Raskolnikov did.
0: And I think maybe some people may have issues with this novel because the characters are too relatable. They're too exactly broken like we are. That sometimes when we look at these characters, it's like, hey, I know somebody like that. Hey, they're acting the exact same way as this person. These are all extremely realistic ways to depict our own introspection, maybe in even a more honest way than we want to be in real life.
1: And I have a great quote for you that it just basically is us, you and me, Una. And more I drink, the more I feel it. And that's why I drink too. I try to find sympathy and feeling in drink. I drink so that I may suffer twice as much. Yes, that
0: (laughs) quote, that is from the Marmalade off scene. I remember that quote. And that scene is very, uh, it can hit home for someone who knows someone who's alcoholic. I think we all know someone who can be drawn to these actions that, in the same way that raskolnikov is dr- drawn towards these these different poles these two choices marmeladov is is drawn towards the the jelly right if we go back to the before you read video and the meaning behind his name he's going towards the immediate aesthetic life purpose of getting immediate pleasure in life we all know people like that
1: and that's what really sets this book apart from all the others and why it's become a true literary classic is that these characters are so complex they are almost like, real living people. These, these they're, they're so developed. It's some of the best character development I've ever seen in any story, any book, any movie, anything that I, and I just couldn't stop reading. I just couldn't stop reading it. I just, I wanted more and more and more.
0: So let's move to what I think is one of the more interesting, if not the most interesting part of the novel. And that's the whole ordinary versus extraordinary argument.
1: This is the brilliance of how Rodian is written, is that... You don't know his mental state. You don't know if he's mentally unstable. and I actually talked to my wife about this book a lot because she didn't read it. I really wish she would have read this book with us because this is where I think you can make a true diagnosis. and I had her help with this and I, I would kind of <laughs> want to go through this with you of diagnosing maybe some of the mental conditions that Roskonnikoff has.
0: Okay, I know I am not qualified to do that. so this is just for fun, right?
1: Yeah, this is totally for fun. We're taking a fictionalized character and applying real-world uh, DSM five ideas of mental illnesses. Uh, again, and I did this with the help of an expert, my wife. But she never actually read the book, so it's kind of secondhand knowledge. But this is just for kind of fun to take a, a little unique twist of it uh, for us here on the channel.
0: Tell me, schizophrenia made it onto the list? That was what was in my mind. Okay.
1: Uh, actually, no. Schizophrenia does not make it on the list, but it's really, really close.
0: (sighs) Okay, Harry, what's your wife got for us?
1: So, when I was talking to my wife, we kind of came up with this idea of, what if we took Raskolnikov and we put him on trial for his murder in 2020? The defense attorney would probably try to claim some type of insanity plea to get him to a nicer prison, Right.
0: Yeah, temporary insanity or something like that, sure.
1: Yeah, so we're going to take the DSM-5, which is the uh, legal code book kind of for all of the different mental illnesses that exist uh, in the world of mental health therapy today. So I kind of want to go through this list of uh, items that my wife and I came up with that Raskonikov is experiencing through the story. He is overstrained and irritable, verged on the hypochondria because of his financial strain.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: He has... Some schizophrenic tendencies by talking to himself mm-hmm. he passes out under any pressure whatsoever. So this probably leads <laughs> to types of depression, obsession, and anti-social anxiety.
0: I just want to say that was actually one of my favorite parts of this novel when he would just like pass out in a bush or like, in the middle of the <laughs> police station I just, well, I just you
1: imagine him like those fainting goat right where they just <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that's oh, how he fell right man, he just got man. all like rigid and just fell over
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I love that part of that. okay keep going
1: uh, he has obsessive uh, tendencies he has possible suicidal thoughts although it's never come out straight that he does we definitely see many characters around him have those tendencies he so has d- obviously abandoned
0: Cedric Iwif obviously did right
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, Rosgonikoff probably had abandonment issues. Um, we kind of inferred that heavily from the lack of the father figure in the story, but he yep. definitely has issues with his mother and his sister. So we called that parental issues that he possibly has uh, animosity towards his his mother.
0: okay. And what's what's this lead towards? Is is he guilty or not? Is, what are we doing? So
1: for our fun fake diagnosis of Rodion Ruskonikov, we are going to say that he has schizotypal personality disorder, and this is the three zero one point two two: a persuasive pattern of social and interpersonal deficiencies marked by acute discomfort and reduced capacity for close relationships, mm-hmm. as well by cognitive and perceptual distortion and eccentric behavior. Beginning on early adulthood and persuasive context indicated by five or more of the following issues. He has all the things we just talked about, odd belief systems. Hmm. What did you just say at the very top of the discussion? What's his odd belief system?
0: Is he ordinary versus... It's kind of like Napoleonic, right? Is he an ordinary, extraordinary man?
1: Yes. He also has odd thinking and speech. He is suspicious and paranoid. He has inappropriate um, tendencies. He has weird behavior and appearance issues with his fainting. And he has excessive social anxiety that does not um, limit some of his social interactions, but definitely diminishes uh, because he has paranoid fears and has some negative judgment about himself.
0: Dude, this <laughs> does that not
1: like, fit perfect or what?
0: This could be like those quizzes, you know, like we're like, it's written so vague that it like you, you automatically apply, but like. That just sounds so much like Raskolnikov when you go through that list.
1: Mrs. Crypto nailed it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, even without reading the book, and I gave her basically his diagnosis, she got it. So she's A-, A plus for her. She's absolutely amazing. But I thought that was very fun that that just shows of how amazing this book is. And how well of a written of a character. We could take a fictionalized character and give him a real world mental health diagnosis. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible.
0: All right, so let's kind of wrap this up with epilogue thoughts, because I wanted to share something that came up in the Voxer chat as a part of the Dostoevsky 2020 uh, chat group that we had kind of going on as we were reading this, is it came to our attention that actually several critics had kind of pointed out that they thought the ending, the epilogue, was disjointed. They felt that it didn't fit with the rest of the novel. I'm kind of curious to hear what was your thoughts on the epilogue.
1: I definitely didn't like the epilogue. Uh, I will just say it was the weakest part of the story for me, so I could see their argument, and there might be a little bit of validity to that. But I think that if we look at this that Raskolnikov has gone through this journey and changed sure of course the ending is going to change because he's changed and that's the brilliance of this book is that it evolved itself it's very very meta and I think that there's mm. there's no argument whatsoever that it should change otherwise it would have fallen flat if you had gotten this perfect ending or you would have gotten this perfect plane of what you expected to happen again he manipulated and hold that rug underneath you again.
0: To me, this was not remorse, but this was finally facing the truth within him. So we talked about earlier that you put on all these different masks and sometimes you don't know which one you actually are. Are you actually the mask or are you the person behind the mask, right? This to me was the first time Raskolnikov really faced truth. And, And we have some quotes where they say, there could be no mistake because nothing was given but facts. And another one that said the criminal adhered exactly, firmly, and clearly to his statement. He did not confuse nor misrepresent the facts nor soften them with his own interest nor omit the smallest detail. And to me, what I liked about this is is the novel kind of comes, it all leads to this epilogue where if it just ended, I personally would have felt very uneasy because what we see in the epilogue is we see how how Raskolnikov's decision wasn't in a box. So we have all these characters in Raskolnikov's life that are being impacted by Rodia's decision. We have Sonia going through some form of loneliness. We have Pulcheria, who's experienced extreme despair. We have Razumihin, whose overinflated optimism is finally being faced with the truth. All of these things are finally coming to a head only in the epilogue. And to me... Part of what Dostoevsky's mission, I guess, vision of life, even though that's how he's putting it in this book, I think he really did believe that life was suffering. I think he thinks people are put here and are put through the ringer by, remember, he's heavily Christian Orthodox, by God, by the Bible. He thinks people must suffer in order to obtain and achieve their way into heaven is, is kind of how I view... Where he went with this novel and how the final part is them finally accepting the truth at the end and how Raskolnikov thinking in a coffin, thinking in his box of of utilitarianism. If I take this, you know, Lizaveta out, it'll help my society. He only faces that truth finally here at the end once he's experienced remorse. That it really is what closed the deal for me personally. That I think the epilogue is necessary.
1: My huge takeaway is: what does it all mean? ...put together as a whole, Crime and Punishment makes you take a hard look in the mirror. Because when you've gone through this venture with them, and you feel for all of these different characters, and you start to relate to the characters, you start looking at your own virtues and your own sins... And that's why this book is still relevant 200 years later, nearly 200 years later, is that this is some heavy, heavy stuff. There's no doubt about it. You can't argue that. Whether you liked the epilogue or not, I don't think it detracts from the entirety of the story. Because after you finish this novel, you're going to feel a little bit more tolerant towards humanity. Maybe a little bit more cautious towards humanity. (laughs) And definitely definitely know a little bit more about yourself, and I have a huge quote that I kinda want to finish off our discussion with. I used to analyze myself down to the last thread, used to compare myself with others, recalled all the smallest glances, smiles and words of those to whom I tried to be frank, interpreted everything in a bad light, laughed viciously at my attempts to quote, be like the rest, and suddenly, in the midst of my laughing, I give way to sadness, fall into ludicrous despondency and once again, start the whole process all over again. In short, I went round and round like a squirrel on a wheel.
0: So great quote, great book. A lot of people enjoy these talks, but they're not sure how to participate or what comment to leave, but they do know that they, that could help us. If you're interested in helping us out, please feel free to leave an axe or a knife or something murderous <laughs> it's down below. So I'll, dark. I'll know, I'll know what you really mean, and I appreciate you guys helping us out. As usual we will have the Dostoevsky playlist and links to other talks down below from Russian history. Now Crypto, let's move into our ratings for this book. What are you going to give Crime and Punishment? Perfect 10. For both?
1: Yeah. I oh. there's yeah, easy. Okay. I loved the story. It was it was so good. I absolutely loved it. It kept me wanting to read more and more and more and uh, I listened and read it and I would listen on my way drive home and I would immediately pick up and start reading when I got through it. Um I just absolutely loved it and I think that there's so much to analyze with all of these different complex characters. Uh and we didn't even hit everything. I think that we no, could do another no, video and no. go back through.
0: No, we could do another we could no. do another six videos on this and we we would have no dearth of opportunities yeah. to discuss things.
1: Yeah, 10 out of 10 on both. Easy. I absolutely loved it. It, it will be it, I I'm going to say even maybe 11 out of 10.
0: <laughs> top five you, favorite to novels 11. ever. Yeah, but It this goes to 11. But this one yeah. goes to 11, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. It's in my top five single standalone novels of all time. And I don't even know what those top five are, but it's got to be in there.
0: So for me, with no hesitation as well, I'm going to do the two rating system. So we have an analytical and also just a personal enjoyment. Easily analytical, 10 out of 10. No no pause, no no looking back on that. Clearly one of the greatest novels ever written for discussion, analysis, things like that. For my personal enjoyment, I'm going to actually hit the brakes a little bit here. I I'm a little bit slower on this novel, and I think it's because just in terms of my personal subjective way that I want a novel to to run, there was so much I think plot, so much uh just Things that didn't necessarily represent something, right? Like, it wasn't as condensed as it needed to be for for me to have a 10 out of 10. So so I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10 because there's some things that slowed it down for me, uh, to be perfectly honest, from an enjoyment standpoint. So I'm going to give it like an 8 out of 10 on an enjoyment scale. So I'll I'll round those two together for a 9 out of 10 overall.
1: Do you think if you would have read it the way it was actually released in the segments that you would have enjoyed it that way better than and maybe would have upped it a little bit for you if it wasn't this huge novel
0: well arguably maybe i did because i think the first time i read this it took me like three months to get through i read this for my first time when i was like in my mid-20s right so so here i am approaching 40 and we did it in what 3 4 weeks like we, we read it pretty quick because we just read faster and more now but uh the first time I read it I think I did take like 3 week 3 months to kind of get through it so maybe maybe I don't know it, it just for me the 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 genre fiction page turner cliffhanger endings when I see those I'm kind of like okay like I don't really okay. like those things it just slowed me down a little bit a little bit so
1: no, I, I get that. Totally understand that for enjoyment purposes, that sometimes that can be a put off for yeah. sure.
0: But absolutely love this novel. You know, 10 out of 10 analytics. I don't give that often, but highly recommend it. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing. If you enjoy literature discussions like this, we post videos every Monday and Thursday. If you're down for that, please hit that subscribe button. Una out. Peace.